Hello, I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is Acts 9, verses 19 to 31. So you can begin looking that up now. This sermon was recorded live at Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. After reading the passage, we'll hear the children's talk. So, if you have children, make sure they're listening. And then we'll go to the sermon. And so let's read Acts 9, verses 19 to 31. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength, and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus, by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, boldly preaching in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned of this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And now it's over to the children's talk. Okay, hello everyone. Now, who can tell me what have we been learning about these last few weeks? What's the book of the Bible that we've been in? What's the book of the Bible? Hannah? Acts, that's right. And what does Acts teach us? What's that sentence that we've been learning? Can you tell me? Kai can. Yeah, but you didn't do it with the action, so it doesn't count. Only quarter marks, that's not good enough. The vision the of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. Good, excellent. Can you do that with us? The mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. Exactly right. And. Who have we been getting to know over the last few weeks as well? Yes, Hannah? Rupert. We've been getting to know Rupert. That's exactly right. Now, Rupert, he saw something amazing the other day. And he kind of wants to imitate it. He saw something very special. He saw a cake. Can you see this cake? Look at how amazing this cake is. Would you want to eat a cake like that? No. I would want to eat a cake 
like this. Look at all the little meringues on it and the chocolatey things and the fruity pieces. It looks delicious. I'm going to keep it flicky, just a moment. And so Rupert thought, do you know what? This looks like exactly the sort of cake that I could make for my dad. Because I love my dad and dads, when they are loved, deserve cake. Don't you think? I, I think dads who are loved deserve cake. And so Rupert, he found a recipe. And he got the recipe down and he looked at it and he got out all the ingredients. He went to the pantry and, oh, we've got all the things in the pantry. And so he grabbed them, he put them on the bench and he got a bowl and he got another bowl because he needed another bowl. And he started going through it all and he came to the eggs. And he tried an egg. What do you think happened? He dropped all the shell into the bowl. That's right. There was a lot of shell in that bowl. And so he scooped all of that out and he tried another egg. And what do you think happened? Heidi, what do you think happened? The same thing. That's exactly right. More shell in the bowl. And he tried it again. And what do you think happened? Do you think that he, that he was getting better? You don't think he was getting better? You know, you're exactly right. He wasn't getting better. There was more shell in the bowl. And Rupert was thinking, there's no way that my dad wants, sh wants shell in his cake. He doesn't want that crunch, unexpected crunch. Not, not good. What do you think he did? Threw it all out? Oh, not yet. He asked for help. He asked for help. That's exactly right. Ask for help. Who do you think he asked for help? Did he ask his dad for help? No. No. Well, that was very definite. There's no way that you would ask dad for help. Who did Rupert ask for help? Mum. Mum? Who, who votes mum? Who votes that Rupert would ask mum for help for cracking some eggs? You're exactly right. Of course you ask mum for help when it comes to cracking eggs. Yeah, because dads always mess it up. Yeah. Do they? Hmm, okay. I thought I did an all right job yesterday. But he asked his mum for help. He needed help with the eggs. And as Rupert was making this cake with his mum's help, he got to thinking about Acts. He got to thinking about the fact that the mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. And he thought about how his mission at this point was making a cake. That was his mission. But Jesus' mission is to have lots and lots of people hear the gospel and believe. His mission was that people would turn to him and believe. And he thought about the person that we've just been reading about. Who, who did we just read about in the Bible? Saul. Saul, exactly right. Saul, who would become Paul. Paul. Exactly. And Saul, Paul, he was going around telling people all about Jesus. And do you think he was able to do that all on his own? No. Was he just so brave and so clever and so amazing that he was able to tell people all on his own all about Jesus? No. Did he need help? Yes. Whose help do you think he needed? 
everybody's. Sure. That's the big one. He needed God's help. He needed the Holy Spirit. Do you know, just before the bit of the Bible that we read, just before that, it talks about how Saul received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was Saul's helper. And when it comes to preaching the Bible, when it comes to telling people about Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit. We're like Rupert trying to crack eggs. We can't do it on our own. And so when we're trying to tell people about Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to pray and ask God that he would give us the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would help us to be brave and would help to give us words to tell people all about Jesus. Okay, so will you close your eyes and hold your hand so that we can say a prayer without distracting everyone else? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you give us a helper. You give us the Holy Spirit. We pray that he would be filling us over and over and over again. He would be making us bold and brave so that we would tell people who don't know about Jesus all about him. We would tell them what he has done, that he died on the cross to save us, that he took the punishment so that we could be with you forever, so that we could be your friends, your children, your family. Thank you for this amazing blessing. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who helps us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's come and let's pray that God would help us. Our Father, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And so we ask that now as we come to it, your spirit would be giving us insight into it. These things are spiritually discerned. The natural man cannot understand them. And so give us that wisdom. Open our eyes, open our hearts, that we would receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there was a young woman a few years ago, who was very excited about her husband's birthday party. It was a surprise party and she had organised everything. She'd hired a venue, she'd booked a live band, she'd organised the caterers. It was going to be perfect. But as she was labelling and addressing the invitations, she became anxious. She tried to shove it down, but the more names she listed, the worse it got. Eventually, she completed the invitations and headed out to the post office, but as she stood there at the letterbox, she trembled. She was terrified how her friends were going to react. Would they argue that they didn't need this party to celebrate his birthday? Would they be insulted that they'd been invited in the first place? Maybe they've had a bad experience with birthday parties, and especially surprise birthday parties. Would they end the friendship because they'd been invited to this birthday party? Sounds ridiculous, because it is. 
We'd never have those fears when inviting people to a birthday party. We don't need boldness to invite friends to something like that. But we do have those fears when it comes to telling people about Jesus. Inviting them to church. The world is against Jesus. And some of them express that in scary ways. There is a risk in evangelism. And no one knew that risk better than Saul. But he was bold. He boldly shared the gospel wherever he went. In this passage, we see his boldness in Damascus and Jerusalem as he strives to fulfill the mission that Jesus has given him. And as we seek to fulfill our mission, we need that same boldness. This passage encourages us boldly share the gospel. The mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped, and it's achieved as we boldly share the gospel. First, in verses 19 to 25, we see Saul boldly sharing the gospel in Damascus. Remember, Saul has just been transformed by Jesus. He travelled to Damascus to arrest Christians and drag them back to Jerusalem. But on the road to Damascus, Saul, who became Paul, was confronted by the risen Lord Jesus. He was blinded by the light from heaven and told that he would be Jesus' witnesses, uh, Jesus' witness to, to kings and Gentiles and the children of Israel. And what did he do when he received his sight? Well, remember, verse 18, he was baptised. And verse 19, for some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. See, he submitted to Jesus, recognising his lordship, getting baptised, and he joined the church. And that's the expectation for God's people, that they join the church. They probably had similar requirements for joining the church as we do, being baptised, confessing the faith publicly. For you regulars who haven't become members yet, let me encourage you to do it. We'll we'll meet, we'll go through some studies on the gospel, uh, how we operate as a church, and we'll bring you formally into the church family. See, the encouragement is to not just attend, not just be there, but join us, sign on to the mission of our church to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. And part of your discipleship is becoming a member. So Saul joined the church. He joined it and he got on with his mission. Verse 20, And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. Now, Son of God can have two possible meanings. Either he means that Jesus is God, he is the eternal one, or it means that he is the Christ. God promised David that that he, God, would be a father uh, to the kings that would come from him and that, that they would be his son. So depending on where you are in the Bible, son of God can mean one of those two things. And I suspect that here Saul means both. 
He's talking about both. Because Jesus has just appeared to him from heaven in a bright light. It's a very God-like thing to do, isn't it? But look at verse 22. He was proving there that Jesus was the Christ. Jesus is the God-man who died for his people, rescuing them from sin and judgment, freeing them from the slavery to their own sinful and, and harmful desires. His death could pay for our freedom because he is God. And so that means that his life is of infinite value. And then he, he rose as Lord of all. He is the Christ, now seated at God's right hand, ruling all creation. This is the message he proclaimed. And verse 22, Saul increased all the more in strength, confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Saul increased in strength. He was a bit like an apprentice bricklayer. What's an apprentice bricklayer look like when they first start? Usually they're in their upper teens, a bit wiry, not, not a whole lot of muscle. Maybe not weak, but certainly not what he needs to be for the job. He struggles with the wheelbarrow carrying the mortar. He struggles moving bricks over and over from one place to another. After the first day, his arms, his shoulders, his legs, everything aches. And they're still aching the next day and the next. What's happening? Why are his muscles aching? Because the, the muscles are tearing and being repaired. And as they repair, they're getting stronger. Paul's getting stronger as he puts his muscles to use, as he speaks the gospel, as he explains the gospel. And that's an encouragement to us, isn't it? You might think that you are weaker than an apprentice brickie on that first day. But don't be afraid to give it a go. It will get easier each time. Like Saul, the spirit who lives in you will give you strength. That's one of the reasons that the spirit lives in you. To give you power to proclaim Jesus' name. To give you boldness to speak. To explain. We'll get into some practical ways to start soon. But commit yourself this very day to working on your evangelistic muscles. To growing in strength by the Spirit of Christ. Now Paul's so good at it that the Jews, initially confused because he come they thought, to destroy the church. And now he's joined them, boldly sharing the gospel in Damascus. And so they plan to kill him. Saul went to Damascus expecting to conquer those who call on Jesus' name. And instead, he entered Damascus humbled by Jesus. And he escaped Damascus suffering for Jesus. Jesus said that he would suffer for his name, and he is. He boldly shared the gospel in Damascus, and so now he had to escape. In our second section, verses 26 to 31, we see Saul boldly sharing the gospel in Jerusalem. 
Now here the chronology gets a bit tricky and some people that you might come across have done a quick a five-minute Google search on, on Bible inconsistencies and they'll use something like this to show why they don't believe. It's their excuse for why they won't believe. And so let's take a quick look and see why the Bible is trustworthy. That's not always easy. See, if we took Acts 9, what we just read, if we took that just at face value, we would think that Saul went straight from Damascus to Jerusalem. That makes sense, doesn't it? But in Galatians 1 and 2, Saul, now Paul as he writes, says that he didn't go straight to Jerusalem when he believed in Jesus. It says he went from Damascus to Arabia, then back to Damascus, and after three years he went to Jerusalem. Now, is that a contradiction? No. It just means that Luke, who wrote Acts, hasn't told us all the details. He hasn't told us about that in-between trip. And that's okay. In evangelism, sometimes we're scared that people have well-thought-out reasons for not believing. And that is true for some people. But most people around us haven't thought about it at all. I tried uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I tried uh, to speak to a couple who were walking past the church, and that they were probably my age, and the woman who was there admitted that, that she had no idea about religion. Don't be intimidated. Don't uh, be worried about what they're going to say. Be bold. We're not facing the same persecution that Paul did. Or, or that many Christians today are, even if you don't have an answer right away to their questions, to their objections, don't let that stop you. Find the answers. Challenge their unbelief. Be bold like Saul. Saul came to Jerusalem and the disciples, the church, they were afraid of him, verse 26. And it wasn't until Barnabas brought him to the apostles and explained how he'd seen the risen Christ that they accepted him. Now it makes sense, doesn't it, that they would have such a hard time accepting Saul into the church in Jerusalem. It was there that they saw him raging against the church. Just imagine how scary it would be for believers in North Korea to have a soldier come to them and say that he was now a Christian. See, they've seen him arrest five, six Christians not long ago, dragging them off, beating them. And now, six months later, he claims that, well, he's heard the gospel from one of the people that he arrested. After interrogating this prisoner, and the prisoner only telling him the gospel, despite all the beatings and the torture, he came to believe. This, this soldier apparently came to believe. How would those Christians in North Korea react? Do you think they'd be just a little bit suspicious? Is this a double agent coming to them to discover more names of Christians? Or would they take the risk welcoming this man as a brother? Well, finally, the apostles accepted Saul. 
He was welcomed into the church and, verse 28, he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists. Those are the Greek-speaking Jews. But they were seeking to kill him. Again, Saul got on with the mission that the Lord Jesus had given him, no matter the cost. He was willing to invite them to the party, to the the joy of sins forgiven. The relief that, like the Israelites in Egypt, judgment had fallen on someone else for them, and now they could go free. He invited them to the marriage supper of the Lamb, the day of celebration when Jesus came at the end of the age, rescuing his people and bringing an end to all the enemies of God. He was boldly sharing the gospel in Jerusalem. And it took boldness because these are the people that he had worked with to arrest the Christians. And now these same people are out to get him. But like in Damascus, he's he's hurried out of the city and now he goes off to Tarsus, his hometown in modern-day Turkey. But the mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. Look at verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. We saw a similar summary, like this verse, back in chapter 6, verse 7. But there, it only spoke about the church in Jerusalem. Now the church has grown beyond that. And its main enemy, Saul, has become part of the church. So there's relative peace, and God's people are loving and honouring the Lord Jesus and being comforted by the Holy Spirit. They would need it, wouldn't they, after all their suffering? And as they honour Jesus and the Holy Spirit is working in them, Jesus is building his church like he promised. Saul boldly shared the gospel in Damascus and in Jerusalem. And while Saul was unique, we can't get away from that. As we read through Acts, Saul is a unique person. He saw the risen Lord Jesus. He saw that bright light and he was made the apostle to the Gentiles. He was unique, but he is also an example to us. We have been given a similar mission. We have been told, boldly share the gospel. And so in our third heading, how can we boldly share the gospel here in Eagle Hawk, here in Bendigo. We need the Holy Spirit's help. Surprise, surprise. Jesus called him our helper. He gave Saul power and boldness to speak. When you read of the Holy Spirit in Acts, you often see him giving uh, giving boldness to witness to the world. Saul receives the Spirit back in verse 17, and now he's sharing Jesus boldly wherever he goes. See, we can't do anything without the Holy Spirit working in us. We need to pray that he would fill us and give us boldness. If we're not praying for that, is there any wonder that we are afraid and we give in to our fear? Let's make that our daily prayer. Father, fill me with your spirit 
that I would be bold. And if we're going to boldly share the gospel, we need words. You might have heard that quote, supposedly from St. Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. And it sounds lovely, it sounds inspiring, but it's wrong. Legitimate question. You can call out the answer. What does gospel mean? What does the word gospel mean? I'm not asking for you to give me the gospel, but what does the word gospel mean? Good news. Good news. Exactly right. If you give news, you use words, don't you? How many journalists on TV do you see trying to mime the news? Do they do that? No, they've got news to tell. They tell you the news. Look at what Saul did. Look down at verse 20. He proclaimed Jesus, saying. Verse 22. He proved that Jesus was the Christ. Verse 27. He preached boldly. Verse 28. He preached boldly. Verse 29. He spoke and disputed If we're going to boldly share the gospel, we need to open our mouths. But what will we say? What did Saul say? Well, he spoke about Jesus. His identity, who he is. He is the son of God. He is the Christ. He preached boldly in Jesus' name. He explained what Jesus' death and resurrection meant for his audience. That if they would come to Jesus, trust in him, they would find forgiveness and eternal life. Do you struggle to know what to say? Well, no. why not explain John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you have that verse in your head? Well, take it phrase by phrase. God loved the world. He loved sinners. He loved people like you and me. That he gave his son. He gave Jesus. And what did he give him to do? He gave him to die on the cross in our place. And if we believe in him, we won't perish. We won't suffer eternity in hell as punishment for our sins. Instead, we will have eternal life. With him. That's the gospel. That's the gospel in one verse. But there are plenty of verses that you could use. Find a verse where the gospel is summarized in one or two sentences. You can read through the New Testament. You can read Isaiah 53. Collect them. As you're reading your Bible, just keep an eye out for them and collect them. Write them out. Memorize one that grips you. Just one or two sentences. You can grab one of the tracks that we've got here. We've got quite a few. Read it to give you ideas as to what you could say. Carry one along in your pocket so that you're ready to give it away. You can grab a gospel. We've got some gospels here. Give them away. Most people haven't read the story of Jesus. 
So challenge someone to read the story before they dismiss it as fantasy. According to one survey in America that I saw, 98% of non-Christians said that they would attend church if someone asked them. Now, I know. Maybe that's just what they said to the person who was interviewing them. Maybe they wouldn't actually come. I know. And I know Australia is different to America when it comes to these things. I know that. But wouldn't it be worth giving it a try? I know bringing the gospel to people is scary. We're scared of how they'll react. But what are we risking? I listened to an interview with the CEO of Open Doors Global, uh, an organisation which tracks persecution and helps persecuted Christians. When you hear what our brothers and sisters go through around the world, torture, arrest, murder, the threats that we face are so small. Are we willing to risk relationships for Jesus? Are we willing to lose respect? To look a bit silly in their eyes? To be misunderstood? To be seen as a bigot? Are we willing to lose everything for Jesus like our brothers and sisters are? Like Saul was? Are we willing? Are we ready to boldly share the gospel? Will we rely on the Spirit? Now, being prepared helps us to be bold. Knowing what we're going to say, having thought it out beforehand, understanding more of who Jesus is so we've got more in the tank, ready to use if we need to use it. Believe it or not, coming to a Bible study is excellent preparation for evangelism because it's filling your mind with understanding who Jesus is. What did he come to do? Saul spoke powerfully because he knew his Bible. He could prove that Jesus was the Christ. He could argue persuasively because he knew what the Bible said. The more we know, the more that we can explain and the more that we can persuade. Now, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you are very welcome to also grab a tract, grab a gospel and read it and ask questions. Come along to a Bible study. Come regularly. Strive to understand who Jesus is. Saul claims he is the son of God and that is well worth exploring. Don't just shrug your shoulders at this. If it's true, it changes everything. If it's true, you have a chance to escape the judgment that's coming. You have a chance to enjoy freedom and peace and life and hope and meaning forever and ever. Ask questions. Explore the Bible with us. Make this your project. Christians, we won't know everything. But the more you know, The more prepared you are, the easier it will be to be bold. This is what it says in 1 Peter 3.15. In your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared 
to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Be prepared to make a defence. Parents, train your children to be ready. Train them to explain the gospel. Train them how to answer questions. Ask them questions and see how they go answering you. Read the Bible with them and point out those verses which are excellent summaries of the gospel and memorise them together. Kids are sponges. They're good at memorising usually. Saul experienced the same kind of sufferings he brought on others as he boldly shared the gospel in Damascus and Jerusalem. But the mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. And so let's join in. We've been given the great commission. We've been told to go, to make disciples. Are you ready to be bold? What's stopping you? Let's be like Saul. Let's boldly share the gospel with the people we love. His spirit is with us. We have his word. We live in relative safety. Let's be bold. And let's pray. Our God in heaven, we pray for boldness. Lord, this is easy to say. It's easy to think, yes, I want to be bold. But we get to the point where we could share the gospel. And we're scared. Lord, we're scared that it would be awkward. We're scared that this person won't like it, will see us differently, will reject us. Our God, may we be bold in the face of these fears. We pray that you would help us to prepare as we read your word, that you would be equipping us for the task. We pray that you would encourage us as we do this, that we would see fruit. That we would see people coming to faith in the Lord Jesus. Lord, we see in this passage that your church was growing. It experienced that time of growth and we pray that we would see that. That we would see people coming to faith. Our God, continue to fill us with your spirit. That we would be bold for Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's Word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.